here it comes again, lunch. Will it be the same old, same old? Or are you ready to take a vacation from the ordinary with the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub at Firehouse Subs? Freshly sliced smoked turkey breast, craveably sweet mustard sauce, and a hint of Caribbean seasoning. Just $5.55 for a medium. Save time. Order the new Jamaican Jerk Turkey Sub on the Firehouse Subs app. Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs. Save more lives. Participating locations. Limited time only. Plus tax. Prices may vary for delivery. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Super J Cast. I'm Joel Abraham, joined by Damon McDonald. Um, I've got to be honest with you, Damon. I'm really angry. Why? I'm, I'm fuming. Oh. I think you know why. Let's let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time this week. Everyone's talking about it. We've just had this awesome piece of entertainment delivered to us. This is something that most people thought that we'd never see, except for uh, a few thousand loyal hardcore fans who dug deep into their pockets to make these dreams come true. And already, Damon, already we're getting people online dunking on it, poking holes in it, and doing so clearly in bad faith. This is something that I know Rich Creech has been very vocal about recently. It's so upsetting. Why won't these people just let the fans enjoy something that might not necessarily be for them without pissing on their cornflakes and trying to ruin it for those who did enjoy it? I'm talking, of course, about the re-release of Shenmue and bullies (laughs) like Chris Charlton Burying it on Twitter. Why won't these people just get a life and allow fans to enjoy the greatest video game of all time? I know. I listen. I I, I feel your passion. Uh, it, it's 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 definitely paramount. Uh, now I'm not familiar with this game. I'm going to be truthful, right? But I know that you are uh, full of, of piss and vinegar right now. What, what what's the story with this game? What's going on? Give me the Reader's Digest version. So it's a, a role-playing game that was originally for the Dreamcast. I think it was around the year 2000. And it's set in 1987 in uh, suburban Tokyo, in Yokosuka. And you play the role of uh, a guy called Ryo Hazuki, um, who's trying to avenge his father's death. And it's really immersive. Uh, You get to walk around this town and speak to all the people who've all gone about all their routines. And you can do all cool stuff like play video games at the arcade or... uh, listen to music and go gambling, do all, all sorts of these other things. And it was really groundbreaking at the time. Okay. But uh, you can actually go and see, if you're a subscriber to the Voices of Wrestling Patreon, Rich did a, a squashing button session on it. And I don't know, maybe it's just one of these things that, because I loved it when it first came out, that I'm standing for it, to use the, the lingo that the, the kids on twitter.com are using but why won't people just let us enjoy our thing without trying to wade in with their hot takes well, this is the kind of culture we live in it is and and, and i think we are a part of that <laughs> to a certain degree um can i can i get this game on steam uh i don't know actually maybe uh, to be honest i don't think you'd like it i don't no. know if it's your kind of game well i don't know actually you're you're a bit of a japanophile like me a little bit. so 
maybe, maybe you would like it. I, I've and seen I, criticisms about it. Yeah, go on. And is it like a cyberpunky game? Is it kind of like that? Not really. Okay. It's it's just like a kind of beat 'em up, but in role playing form. People have compared it to the Yakuza games. Okay. Where it's just kind of you get to roam around and do your own things, or you can follow the quest line if you want. And I've heard people criticizing it because. There's a, a quite a few bits where you have to kill time, and they say, "Oh, that's disrespectful to t- to your time." Like they want to be able to rush through everything, but that's not the kind of game it is. You have to enjoy being in that world and enjoy spending the day, you know, buying gashapon toys from the machine or, or playing Space Harry in the arcade or whatever. And if you don't like that world, then the game's not for you. Yeah, I mean but that's why there's seven hundred and fifty thousand different genres, right? I mean, there's. There's a exactly. million different games. I mean, I don't. I mean, but but in that world, like in that specific genre of game, is it uh, like is it honestly? Give me give me a, a give me objective Joel. Don't give me fucking Christmas morning Joel, where you where you're waking up and you get you this fucking game and you know you got a hard on for the rest of the goddamn week. Uh, you where where does this rank? Where does first of all does the, the a does the game hold up currently? Like does the game uh, can can you play it now and feel just as immersed in all that stuff currently uh, as if you did when you first played this game? Well, I've just bought it again, and I don't want to play it now. I'm saving it until Christmas because it was kind of my thing that for uh, a period of about ten years I would play it every Christmas, uh, and every year I enjoyed it. So I. Last me again at Christmas. I'm sure it will still hold up. Okay, but it will hold up for me. Okay. And my experience of it, of course, is going to be different to other people's experiences. I totally get why other people might not like it, but you know, tyrants like Chris Charlton <laughs> criticizing it. I just, I, I'm not having that. That's just too much. All right. Well, listen. Well, let's get the let's get the hate mail, and let's get our uh, let's get our uh, our followers and our army to. Uh, to, to let him let him know that he's out of line on this, um, and we don't want to mess with Joel's. Uh, pretty much, it sounds like your uh, uh, your whole childhood is is wrapped up in this game. Every Christmas you play this game. This is like 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 normal human beings. Joel, they have a good Christmas meal with the family. Joel's sitting in front of his TV on Christmas Christmas night playing this fucking video game to the wee hours of dawn. Uh, yeah, that, that that's a holiday tradition for you, right there. Yeah, because my Dreamcast, I bought that with my bar mitzvah money. You know, this wasn't one of these, you know, huge, uh, lavish bar mitzvahs that, you know, super rich people have. You know, I had about £100 or or whatever that I'd saved up and I bought my Dreamcast with it and I was very proud of it. That was my cherished possession and I played it and played it and played it and played it and it's on its last legs. My Shenmue disc was so scratched up and battered that it actually became unplayable. I I tried to play it a couple of years ago when I was last in London, but the disc was so badly damaged that all the non-playable characters despawned. So it was just the main character, Rio, walking around uh, in a completely empty city, which was quite chilling. It was a bit like the opening of 28 Days Later. So that kind of put me off it a bit, but I'm definitely ready to pick up the control pad and go back in because it is in one of my top five computer games of all time. Wow. All right. Listen, this is this is hitting close to Joel's heart. So... Uh, I know we have a lot of video game fans that listen to the show. So uh, again, let's let's. Uh, I, I'm I'm I'm. I don't know if I want to open up Pandora's box here and uh, you know open up the floodgates of of uh, 
either pros or cons for you because I think I'll, I'll be getting I'll be getting snaps of uh, of all these all these tweets in the middle of the night, either enraging you or making you feel good about life. So I don't know if I want to open up that, but um, uh, look, I, I'm happy that you can play this game again. That's that's good, and and Christmas will be saved. And um, I'm sure the whole family will will enjoy adult Joel now sitting in front of but in front of his console playing video games while everybody else is opening gifts. It's a it's a tradition. It sounds well. Sounds, sounds no, actually no, because my Christmas is going to be rather tragic because I'm still oh. doing my part time master's degree. So I'm probably going to be by myself for oh, that no. two week period while all my our colleagues are off on their. Christmas holidays. I'm not going to expect Mally to stay here. I'll probably send her off to Thailand because you know, she'll be bored as hell with me going into school every day and studying. So it was like a, a little treat to myself, something Aww. to keep me entertained when I come back from school. And also, I've got as my late Christmas present and graduation present to myself my trip to Wrestle Kingdom yes. shortly after Christmas. And on that trip, I've decided to do the Shenmue pilgrimage. I'm actually planning to visit the town near Tokyo that Shenmue was based in. So <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm taking my fandom to new heights. Yeah, I might even amazing. do like a, a, a vlog for that and stick it up on the Patreon or whatever. You know who should bring Mackie? <laughs> well, Mackie, if you're a Shenmue fan, get in touch, mate. We'll oh, have a wonderful sure. time. He will be. I'm sure. <laughs> um, all right, let's get on with it then. <laughs> Right, um, NFL draft. I, I've got to say thank you to all the people who helped me with my NFL draft because uh, I, I'm participating in this fantasy uh, American football draft thing. And I don't know anything about NFL. I've never watched a game in my life. But I was very fortunate to have uh, our good friends on the Discord channel. It's uh, Dan, Tyler, Xavier and Nicole helping me. They were like my little small council. So I was sitting there in this bar taking screenshots of the the rosters, the players that were left and sending it to them. And then they were telling me who to pick and it was quite a lot of fun. So from what they tell me, I've got quite a stacked lineup and obviously you're a man who knows a lot more about American football than I do. You've seen my team. What do you think? I, I, I mean, I, I, it looks good. I send it to actually speaking of Mackie, I send it to him cause he's like a football guy. Like he's, he watches football all the time. And he, back in the day he had season tickets and, He's just a massive football fan, so I actually sent it to him. But he go, he he said he's. You know, I'm not really a big fantasy football guy. Um, there's people that right, cancel the Shemu trip. Yeah, <laughs> canceled. <laughs> right, right. Uh, which I I, I kind of understand because sometimes, like, if you're a fan of a team, and now you're rooting for a, you know, it'd be like you know, again, I'm sure you you come across it with with your Premier League fantasy teams. Um, you know, you draft somebody from fucking Chelsea and you're like, ah, I got a root for this fucking clown. You know what I mean? And, and that's kind of like his kind of thought process too. Um, so yeah, he was like, yeah, it looks good, but I don't really know points and all that shit. But I mean, talent wise, you, you got a pretty decent roster. So, um, I like your quarterback situation. You got some pretty, you got some studs there. Um, yeah, it looked good. I mean, honestly, I'm not the – trust me. Even though I, I have to work this Thursday night. Oh, it's going to be a zoo. Um, I got to cover the first opening game, and it's like the Eagles won the championship, so they're going to have their banner ceremony and all, and the place is going to be a zoo. It's going to be crazy. Um, this town is unbelievably football. It's like – it's just – it's like 
football is first and foremost in everyone's lives, it feels like. And then uh, below that is every other sport uh, by, a, by a country mile. So um, that's Thursday night, and that's going to be crazy. I'm not going to get home until like 3 in the morning because i got to work. Um, yeah. Anyway, your team looks good. I think they did a good job, and uh, hopefully, uh, now is this a just a you or or is it, is a collective effort Super J cast fantasy football team you got going? I think it's now a collective. Yeah, I think so. I can't take full ownership of the team. My small council, those people that I mentioned, we're in it for the long run. We're going to bring it home uh, for the glory of the Super J cast, Damon. It's coming home. It's coming home. <laughs> Sorry, that's a soft yeah. Spot. If 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 by home China counts as the home <laughs> of American football, which probably doesn't really work in that case, but yeah, I take your point. Um, I've got something here. This is a question that's popped up in the Twitter uh, question threads a few times, and I ignored it the first time because it just looked weird. I didn't understand it, but I'm going to mention it to you now and see where it takes us. This is from Brian, and it says, "I'm telling you, just say beat Delcy." and sit back for another edition of Damon's Storytime. <laughs> By the way, I was five when I lit the nun's trash cans on fire. <laughs> ah, that's my brother. That's my brother, actually. Um, <laughs> that's funny. Beat Delcy. Ah, that motherfucker. Um, yeah, well, let's, first of all, he was, yeah, it was probably like around five when he would lit the nun's trash cans on fire. <laughs> I do, do he, he, just casually dropping that in there. Well, I mean, so it's a, definitely a normal thing to have in an, an everyday conversation. He, yeah, well, he, you know, I told the story about how he, he, he liked fire, all right, and he did light those trash cans on fire. I do remember that because we lived like about four houses, four or five houses down from the convent. Um, so at the end of the block was the convent where the nuns lived, I guess. I don't really know all about that. Um, and then across the street was the church, the, the Catholic church in our, in our neighborhood. Um, so yeah, he lit the fucking trash cans on fire at the convent. Oh, what a, what a, all right. So beat Delcy. All right. I, I, it's a super long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll cut it down as close as possible. So in, in my school, we were kind of like the weirdos. Um, me, my brother, and maybe a couple of the, like the, the skater guys, um, you know, I guess what has developed into the emo guys now and the emo crew, like before that was like, you know, you were either like a punk rocky kind of guy or a new wavy kind of guy or whatever. So, uh, or skater, whatever. So, but really there was like three factions in, in our town, which was a complete white trash fucking town. Um, you were either into metal, you were either a metalhead, right? So you were, you know, fucking look like you just rolled out of juvie, uh, juvenile detention, should I say, uh, halfway or whatever. Uh, and, or you were a prep, which meant you wore like fucking, I'm trying to think of like what 80s things people can relate to. Like you wore like these brands, like Ocean Pacific and like Z Cavaricci and shit like that. So. Like you were just like a preppy guy. Like I guess would it be it'd be like the modern equivalent of like um guys who would wear like vineyard vines now, right? You know that brand with the stupid fucking whale? It'd be like that, right? So uh I was a little bit of a freak. I had my Robert Smith hair, my fucking whatever. But I was a goalie and I, I played soccer. So and I was a goaltender. And I won some fucking award. We had this Just like me. Oh uh, yeah. Oh there you go, yeah. Uh 
I was all right, you know. I was, but I had no, no like real, real technique. I was more like I just literally was like pro wrestling goaltender. So I just, I just pretended I was the great mood. That was my mindset of <laughs> trying to to make saves. All right. So anyway, uh, but I did pretty well. I did all right. And and it was like the first year. Like it was all again, all football, soccer, or you know, real football was like a really a non thing in our high school. So. But we we made the playoffs for the first time ever, right? And we won an award, and I won some fucking award, like most improved or won whatever, right? So I go up on the stage, and it's the whole football team, like all the seniors uh, on the football team are sitting on the stage, right? I walk up, and somebody fucking said something like, nice hair or whatever, right? And I said, beat Delcy (laughs) into a a microphone, (laughs) beat Delcy. Right, and then here's the story behind Beep Delcy. Beep Delcy is so every Thanksgiving, November holiday, here in the states, uh, it's a tradition where the high school teams play the same teams every year, and it's kind of like, but every high school does it. So every morning on Thanksgiving, every fucking high school across the country is playing their rival, and at the time it was this high school called Delcy, and they could never fucking win. No matter how good they got, no matter how whatever, they always lost on Thanksgiving to fucking Delcy. So me uttering those words of beat Delcy became a rallying cry to throw me into the lake and beat me up every fucking day. (laughs) So so life became a little bit more of a struggle for Damon uh, after beat Delcy. But beat Delcy became a rallying cry for a lot of the fucking misfits um, that uh, we hung out with. So that is Beat Delcy. That is the Beat Delcy story. Uh, thank you, Brian. I appreciate that uh, for bringing up those horrible memories from high school. But uh, there you go. There's a little – there's story time with Damon. We need, we need a sounder for um, uh, story time with Damon, I think, is, is the next one for Andrew. So uh, we'll get the production team on that one. Okay, uh, got, let's have our obligatory silly question for you. Uh, Stu says, which New Japan wrestler do you think would be the best prom date? Ugh, right, who fucking knows? Does anybody really care about that? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think anybody cares about that. Um, uh, I mean, uh, I'm taking, like, I mean, I don't know. Who, who am I ta- who, who are you taking? Let me ask you that. Let me ask you that. Who are you taking? Right, exactly, right? You know what I mean? Like, 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 are we saying these questions have run their course? I don't know. I just feel like, like, does anybody, I mean, I think it's funny. I mean, but, like, it's just like, all right. I think they might have. Let's move on then. Right. I've got a few little news tidbits here. Uh, I saw this coming out, uh, a translation from the Hiroshi Tanahashi podcast. And one notable quote from it was that he said, I don't think we should be changing to try and connect to an American audience. I think we should bring the made in Japan feel over directly. What are your thoughts on that? I love it. That's that's I think he's I think he hits the nail right on the head. Um, And I because while I look, the reason why people gravitate to this product and again, a Western audience, and I include, you know, you know, England and UK and France, and all, you know, non-Japanese audience. Well, we'll just leave it at that. Canadians as well. Um, don't want to leave anybody out. Um, people in Iceland, I don't want to leave you out either. Um, it's the fact that it is a a a, a complete 
alternative to a product that you that is shoved down your throat if you want to watch pro wrestling. Um, it's an it's a it's a wonderful alternative, and the reason why it's an alternative is for because it is non-American and it feels non-American. Now I get the fact that people want to, want to believe that oh more Americans and more English commentary and more blah 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 is the way to go, and I believe that there that that you need to do that to be a global um, promotion. You do, you do need that. I don't want to hand wave that. But truth be told, the things that we like about New Japan is because it is a Japanese promotion that, that, that works their pro wrestling in the style that, that they do. Now, again, again, I don't want to just hand wave Bullet Club, and I don't want to hand wave Hot Topic, and I don't want to hand wave Cody Rhodes, and I don't want to hand wave Chris Jericho, because these are all things that help grow, right? That help make, but, but to, to to turn the product into something that um, isn't the reason why people are gravitating toward it is a, is, a, is a mistake, and I think Tanahashi is one hundred percent when it comes to that. So so good job by him on that. All right, and on the topic of the global expansion, I saw this from Evan Deadly Sins. Per one of NJPW's French commentators, NJPW will be announcing TV deals in the United Kingdom, Italy, and Belgium next week. Their TV time on French broadcaster J1 is also being increased to two hours per week. So it seems that everything's looking very healthy on the European expansion. That's that's a market that you know we talk about the United States as being the market that they're targeting, but. You know, I don't. I don't want to say that's an easy win, but that's that's a solid, you know, huge market that they want to tap into as well. So when they talk about that Western expansion, I mean, you have to include that market because it's a booming market. It's 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 a it's a it's a it's a passionate market, um, and it's a market that wants that product. And I don't think that's a mistake at all. I think it's a very uh, positive thing. And again. <sighs> profitability being up business numbers being up and and the expansion is a, is a part of that i think that's a positive thing and 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 you need tv now i say i say you need tv but we just came off a tv show or excuse me a a, a major event uh just this past weekend where there was a very little i mean they used other people's tv to help spread the message to a certain degree but by and large, this is a non-TV promoted kind of thing, um, but I, I truly believe that you need to have that that product on television, whether it's streaming or regular network, to be successful. Yes, and uh, more good news: that PIA reporting NJPW did four point nine billion yen, which is forty one forty four point one million US dollars in sales this year comfortably outstripping their previous record in 1997. So we are moving into record-breaking eras of financial gain for yeah. New Japan, which is very exciting. Yes, it is. Since 97, I think it was, it broke that, that which was a, a boom. I mean, that we're talking around a time when, when New Japan under, uh, when, when Choshu was booking, um, you know, they were doing Tokyo Domes. They were doing multiple Tokyo Domes. Um, it wasn't just, the, wasn't just one a year. They were doing multiple a year, so uh, you have to be able to 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 be more profitable. And I don't. Here's here's one thing that I did see. Um, and again, every once in a while, I'll pop on Twitter and just to, I don't know, I don't know why I do it because I just get so frustrated with it. 
I don't, I don't know why I think things are going to change in three or four days, but anyway, so I see something where it's like, I watch wrestling to be entertained. I, if I wanted to be an accountant, I'd fucking, you know, I don't know some nonsense, but it's like, like that's, that's important. Like you want to know the, at least I do anyway, would want to know how healthy business is, right? Because that's the needle, right? That's when you, when you talk about people being at the top of the promotion, wrestlers, I say, um, and, and angles and programs and, and that, that's, that leads to profitability and profit margins and growth, right? So all those things, you know, even though you're just watching it to be entertained with your pro wrestling, which I think everybody does, and we, we talk about that the most here on this show, it's it that that success and and that product that you see is driving profitability. Which at the end of the listen, if they weren't profitable, if they were losing money, you know, then you got to look at the people that 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 are in those programs and at the top and being pushed, right? So that that's kind of like why I think those things are very important because I think they all interconnect because because at the end of the day it that's what it's about. It's not about five stars. It's about you know 20% growth in in profitability. <laughs> right? Right? That's that's really what it's all about. Um don't don't fool yourselves. So um again, the five star matches and the programs and 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 the big shows and all that leads to the end of the road, which is the 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 the, the P and L statement, and and are you in the red? Are you in the black? Are you making money? And away we go. Yeah, and of course that sort of stuff leads to things like the big show in Madison Square Garden. So this next thing I want to ask you about is kind of tangentially related to that from my own uh, hypothesis. So this is from Strigger on Twitter. It says before departing to Chicago. Kota Ibushi, and we'll talk about his trip to Chicago soon. Ibushi said he feels alienated by his partner, Kenny Omega, because of a comment Omega made after their match in the G1. Omega basically said he wanted to make a new star, so he gave away the win. Mm. So what do you think of that? Oh. Well, I mean, it is a pro wrestling story here, I would I would hope. <laughs> right. Um Do you think it's a seed? Is that what you're trying to get? Is that what you're trying to say? Do you think this is a, a planted seed? Oh, okay. I do. I think it's a seed. it's a breadcrumb, and I think that breadcrumb is leading to the main event of Madison Square Garden being Ibushi challenging Omega for the title, based on this story of uh, you know Kenny saying, "Oh, I let Ibushi win." Just that little throwaway comment. You know how when you're in a relationship, because Kenny and Kota are definitely in a relationship. You, you, you might make a little offhand comment to your wife or significant other or whatever and you meant it in a totally innocuous way maybe you even meant it in a nice way but they just sort of take it in a different way and their perspective on it is totally different to what you intended and it ends up causing resentment and they end up sort of stewing over that and it causes big problems in the relationship down the road this is what i see from this comment okay i i i, I could see that i could see that um I think I'm not going to say my famous words because I know everybody. It seems like it's the new uh, the new thing to make fun of my gun to my head. <laughs> but uh, I'll come up with a new phrase for that. How about that? Um, 
we actually have a question from someone about the gun to your head. All right, well, we'll take that. I'll take that next. Uh, but do I? I'm going to address Abushi and Omega at the Garden. Look, I would love to see it. Uh, you know that that would be a tremendous main event. Um, I just I don't I don't know if they would put it there. I just I really don't. I hope so. It would be great. I would be I would have zero problems with it. Um, and and you could be right. That that could be another little tiny breadcrumb for someone um, to kind of when it, if if and when it does happen, you can point your finger at it and be like, ah, remember here's here's kind of where that that started, um, and even before that. So yeah, okay. I I, I think uh, they're they're smart pro wrestlers. They know what they're doing, um, and they know when to drop those little nuggets uh, along the path. So, but here's the thing too, though. I mean, I know a lot of guys that. They they don't know what they're doing. Now I would think. Do you, let me ask you this: Do you think? And, and we'll get to the gun to the head thing in a second. Um, do you think, right now, as I as we sit here doing a a a, a an award winning podcast, the number one New Japan podcast in all the world, <laughs> um, do you think that Kenny Omega knows the not what he's going to do, but do you think when I say goes what he's going to do in the sense of I'm going to WWE, I'm going, I'm staying with New Japan, I'm going to fucking, you know, only work exclusively for fucking WXW, whatever the fuck he decides to do. Um, do you think that he knows if he stays where what what he's going to be doing come January first and thereafter? Do you think he knows? Do you think he sat down with Ghetto and said, "Here's what I want to do. Here's the plan. Here's what I like to 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 do." And he's like, "Okay, yeah, that's what we'll do." Do you think that's the case? Because I don't. I don't think he even knows what the fuck's going to happen. And if, if and if those seeds are being planted, they're doing. They're going into business for themselves. That's my opinion. I don't know one thing or another. But but just in the history of people talking to me about working in New Japan. A lot of these guys don't even know what the fuck they're going to do, right? They they have no idea until, like, you know, literally weeks before. Um, so do you think Kenny Omega knows his 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 path, Wrestle Kingdom, and, and moving forward for New Japan? If this was any other wrestler in any other situation, I would say no. But I think, okay, Scampi's trying to put himself over here. I think that Kenny is a special case because he's arguably their biggest star particularly in this era of global expansion and i am sure they're absolutely desperate to keep hold of him especially with their knowledge that they know vince is going to be driving a dump truck full of money to his house in an effort to get him to sign for wwe so given these extenuating extenuating circumstances i think it would not shock me for gato to try to tempt Omega to re-sign, not just with money, but with the creative long-term vision. That's just, that's what interests Kenny, isn't it? To say yeah. to him, okay, look, you are going to keep the title after Wrestle Kingdom, and this MSG show, I would argue that the main event of that show is arguably bigger and more important than the main event of a Wrestle Kingdom. Scampi, please. <laughs> Listen, he's trying to get he's trying to trying to get his take in. He's trying to. Get, I agree with you. I, well, I, I, I'll tell you what's happening. My what's my wife has opened the door to the room, and okay. she's 
pointing at Scampy because she knows that's going to make him start squeaking. So she's doing it on purpose to ruin really? the podcast. She's hijacking yeah. the show is what you're trying to tell me. Oh, yeah. my God. Does she know how important she you are? She used to do that all the time. My other podcast, The Smart Cast, she was a lot more brazen with that. She'd just start yelling and swearing and, and hurling obscenities at me while I was recording, just for fun. Mm. I mean, she hasn't gone to those extremes yet with the Super J cast, but she's just head to the room. And I'm nervous <laughs> now. I'm sweating, Damon. I'm she, scared she's going to say something. Does she know how important you are? Do you know you're on checklists for interviews in 2019? Does she, does she have any idea of that? She's going to find out. That's why I'm dragging her along to New York in April, because I want her to understand that. I'm, I'm kind of a big deal. My you office know? smells like mahogany or, or whatever the quote is from Anchorman. <laughs> Look, I think... What was I talking about? You're, well, we were talking about Kenny Omega. <laughs> I didn't look, you're all panicky now. You're like literally thinking, what is this woman going to do? Um, I yeah. know what she's going to do. She's got a snack in her hand. She's got one of his cat treats, which oh. is kind of like... <laughs> It's like a yogurt for cats, basically. It's like a creamy, fishy treat. And she's okay. going to feed it to him and make him do funny sounds. Because if you, when he eats it, he goes like, oh, nom, 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 nom. <laughs> Get that mic. Get, get a mic on that cat right now. <laughs> we need to hear this. We have literally millions of, millions of, uh, millions, like we have millions of listeners. Uh, I'll, go, I'll go thousands, thousands of listeners um, are, are turning up their, their radios and their, and their uh, iPhones trying to hear the cat. So, so get a mic on that cat. Okay, I'm going to keep talking. Mally, you, you give him the treat and try and make him make funny noises to entertain all the listeners. Go on. Right. That's what you want to do, isn't it? Go for it. Okay, so I was, what I was saying is that I think the main event of this uh, <laughs> MSG show <laughs> is... Fucking <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. This is an important topic it's here. More, People, you know, oh, this is... God. <laughs> okay i think this okay. this main event uh, msg is more important and could have more people watching it than the main event of wrestle kingdom so i think they really have to go big for this show for this main event so that is why i think it wouldn't surprise me for gato to have said yes long-term plan is you versus ibushi at madison square garden right and and Those and my thoughts and, and i think that's a smart thing and i agree with that now i will say this the, the event is sold Right, so we know that the building is sold out. We don't have to sell any more tickets. And if they were to do this, they're doing this for you know the, the audience that can't quite make it. And they're doing it. To, listen, there's no doubt in my mind that that Saturday night is going to be one hell of a fucking night because both shows, both the the New Japan slash Ring of Honor show and the uh, NXT show, uh, a mere few miles at the Barclays Center in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, are going to do their damnedest to put on the best show possible. Here's what this reminds me of. And this is an old school reference for, for those people that are uh, of my age. But back in the day, Joel, you know, when you had uh, Crockett and uh, WWF slash E, you know, they had their WrestleMania. I believe it was WrestleMania 4 at Atlantic City. Trump. Cast Trump Tower, Trump Casino. I don't know. It's, it's only like about an hour and a half away. Oh, from don't house. talk about Trump, Damon. Oh, You're going to upset someone. <laughs> he owned the Just casino. even mentioning his name. <laughs> he owns the casino. Like, what am I? What, that's the name of the place where where WrestleMania was held. What am I supposed to say? The building that should not be named. Um, that's who owned it. Um, that that person. 
um, which is you amazing. Fucking soy boy. <laughs> um, isn't it amazing that he was involved in WrestleMania? It's like the president of the United States was sitting in the front row watching. I don't know what was he watching, like Jake the Snake Roberts and shit like that. Anywho, um, that. Uh, Point. What was my point? What was my point? Oh, so it reminds me of that WrestleMania. Well, Crockett had Clash of the Champions, uh, the first one. Sting and Flair went an hour or 45 minutes or something like that. Um, Midnight's against Fantastics, uh, Dusty and the Road Warriors, and barbed wire match with uh, the Powers of Pain, um, which, was, which blew away the WrestleMania show. But it was on live, on free TV, um, competing against WrestleMania, so that's that's the feel I have. That's the kind of like where, where I'm at with, with this. That's that's the that's the two. Look, for the first time in I can't tell you how long, and really, let's be truthful. For the first time since the '90s, there is there there's going to be a night of pro wrestling come April, whatever it was the first week of April, that Saturday. Uh, that is going to be a great night because it's it's for the first time in in years. We actually have uh, a war, uh, an actual legitimate war going on in New York City with with thousands upon thousands of pro wrestling fans along for the ride. It's going to be a great weekend. I cannot wait for that fucking weekend. Well, staying with the topic of traveling and Kota Ibushi, let's talk a little bit about his journey to Chicago for this All In show. Where is he? What was he doing? And for God's sake, why wasn't anybody watching him? These are the questions we ask about Kota Ibushi's travel woes. And thank you very much to Andrew Rich for providing us with another brilliant stinger. He's great. I love him so I'm, much. He's, he, he really is. A, just, a, just a fucking pleasure, that, that gentleman, um, and the work that he does for our show. Good job by him. We don't deserve him. Honestly, he's way too good for us. Yep, he's funny and he's like a little fucking smart assy. I love him. He's the best. I hope he. You think he's coming down for uh, for Mania weekend? You think he's coming down? I hope so because yeah. I would like to show my appreciation and gratitude for these things in person. I do too. I owe him a drink or two. That's for sure. All right. Well, back to this Kota issue. So the deal was, as per usual, he got himself in some shenanigans at the airport and lost everything apart from his small change in his passport or something. Now, I've seen people finding this terribly amusing, but I've also seen some people on the other side of the coin. So I'm just going to read this out to you, see what you think of it. I don't know why people find it cute or endearing that a rich wrestler in his mid-30s is incapable of travelling without having his hand held so he doesn't get lost and lose all of his belongings. So where do you stand on this debate? I mean, do you honestly think any of that is real? You know what I mean? Like, do you think honestly that there is a grown man who can't travel? As much traveling as Kota Ibushi has done. Now, listen, I know scatterbrained people, right? I know people who, you know, if, if, if it's not stapled to their forehead, they'll fucking lose whatever they're carrying. Um, whether it be ticket stubs or boarding passes or what have you, right? I, I, get, I understand that there are people of that, cut up from that cloth, right? I think I, th- I think he's a grown. It, some of it is might be a little jokey, guys. Take take it easy, right? He's not. It's not like he's you know a, a you know an infant 
or an infant, a toddler traveling by himself uh, through the uh, open airways to uh, foreign lands. Relax. I think I think I think people take that a little bit too seriously. It's a funny thing. Yeah, don't work yourself into a shoot, you marks. Yeah, brother. I'd never actually considered the pos- the possibility that that was not true. I I just took it at face value because yeah, like anything involving Kenny and Ibushi, then I just accept it at face value because yeah, I, I am a complete mark. <laughs> Here's the thing: I'm sure there's a sliver of truth. Again, I'm sure he's one of those guys who, you know, oh, I lost my phone. It's in your fucking pocket. Oh yeah. Oh, I lost my keys. You're holding them. Oh, I'm sure he's one of those guys. But. but but I think it's a little bit blown out of proportion to for for comedy purposes, for entertainment value, uh, to have people get a chuckle on Twitter. So uh, I think you know, I think we can all I think we can all relax for Kota Ibushi's safety, everyone. Uh, another thing, while we're on the topic of Chicago, is I saw uh, a picture of Okada with a massive Chicago-style deep dish pizza. I've never had a deep dish pizza before. <laughs> can you tell me your thoughts on on it? Because right. I've heard from people, I think Rich Crate said that it's not something that actual Chicago natives really eat that much. I don't think they do. Um, it's kind of a touristy thing. It's kind of like you go to Philly and you get a cheesesteak, you know. Um, I mean, trust me, I've had plenty of cheesesteaks, don't get me wrong. Uh, and there's nothing better at 2 o'clock in the fucking morning when you're half off your ass and, and you, you know, you, you, you get that cheesesteak. It's fucking great. But, look, me, I'm a, I'm a pizza, tra- pizza traditionalist, Joel. I like my thin New York style crust, right? Uh, I like it, I like it to be pizza. I don't want it to be a fucking bun cake. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's the what kind of go. toppings are we talking here? Um, listen, I, I'm fine with the toppings. Uh, I'm pretty flexible when it comes to the topping. I, I do like a straight. So, so what do they call it? The margarita pie, where it's the mozzarella and the basil, and, and I like that. I like I like it. I I like you know keeping it good simple. You can throw some pepperoni on there if you want. I got no problem with that. You can throw some sauces on there if you want. I, I can do I can do mushrooms. I got no problem with that. Uh, are you are you looking for a pineapple take from me, Joel? Is that what you're looking for? Oh well, you brought it up. It wasn't where I was going to go, but oh, yeah. What's yeah. your take on pineapple? I gotta be honest with you. I ain't I ain't got a problem with the pineapple. I ain't got a problem with the pineapple. It's it's a sweet no, and savory kind of thing. It's a sweet and savory kind of kind of thing. Uh, I think it adds a, a different dynamic, different flavor. Um, I got no problem with it. I mean, here's the thing. If you're that passionate about, if you don't like it, fuck it. Don't eat it. Don't order it. If somebody else likes it, I don't, I don't care if you fucking put peanut butter on it. I, who cares? If you like it, great. I don't care. Um, but I'm a, I'm a thin crust guy. I don't, I don't, I've been to Chicago a few times. I have had the deep dish. Uh, I mean, it's good. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like, to me, that's, it's a, it's a fucking bunt cake. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's like. It's not a pizza. It's really not. It's something. It's it's something different. It has. It does it have a, a tomato sauce? Yes. Does it have cheese? Yes. Does it have a crust? Yes. Does it technically mean that it's pizza? Eh, not really. But uh, it's good. It's delicious. But you know, it's not fucking. It's not, to me, I'm a traditional pizza guy. Speaking of which, Joel, I haven't had a carb in. Fu- well, I can't say I haven't a carb, but under twenty every day. You want you want you want a total right now? You want a total? Of of loss, of weight Go loss. Go for it, mate. I'm excited. Go on. Twenty pounds. Twenty pounds. What's that in kilos? I can't uh, deal with your I don't imperial know. system. I don't know. You, you need a fucking converter thing. Um. Uh. I don't know. I don't know what, I don't know what kilos. You get. You got to look that up. Google. Google that. Um. 
But that's uh, that's that nine, kilos. Wow. nine kilos. Wow, nine kilos. That is go. great. That is a lot. Yeah. Because I've bad, been right? on my own regime, I've I've lost three kilos. And you've lost three times as much as me. So yeah, but I got a lot more to lose. You know, you I mean you're much more fit than I am. That's for sure. So I mean, I had a lot. I have a lot more to go. But um, and usually the first couple, you know, everybody's and if it's got money, it falls right off. <laughs> well, fuck you. I'm you know, it's still hard. Um, but yes, it's uh, yeah. So there we are. So there we are. So uh, I still got a long ways to go, mind you. The but the, the goal of April is there. So. Uh, it's motivating and and you know it's, it's cool it's my, my wife's into it now so uh we're both kind of doing the same things we're both pushing each other and uh so there you go there there's there's the update for for everyone at home just dying to hear how damon's doing on his uh journey that's that's where we are as of as of this morning as of this morning so there you go see now i want to start uh slagging off one of my colleagues he's doing this ridiculous like starvation diet thing where he's subsisting uh solely on this little packet of like kind of muesli stuff every day mm. and he's like oh i've lost so much weight from this it's like yes mate because you are literally starving yeah, yourself that's not good. and yeah that's your muscles wasting away <laughs> not the fat and as soon as you start eating properly again your body's gonna turn it all into fat you know i'm no nutritionist no. or no sorry that's not the proper one is it dietitian i'm not a dietitian so i'm not an expert on these things but i'm pretty sure that's not a healthy way to go about losing weight at the end of the day, it is calories in, calories out, right? I mean, that's really truthful. And my diet was absolute fucking dumpster fire, right? So, I mean, I was, you know, I didn't eat a lot. Like, like speaking of Eric and all, Eric, like, every time I'm out, I never f- finish my food. Never, right? And Eric would always be like, you are the fattest fucking guy who never eats. And I'm like, yeah, but that's because I'm drinking 10 Guinnesses in front of you right now. <laughs> um but that's, I mean, but what my choices that I did eat were fucking shit. Like, just so many. Like, honestly, even if I said, okay, I'm not going to strictly do no carbs, right? If I'm going to be extra diligent on my carbs and my sugars, right? Um, even if I just cut it in, even if I just made decent choices, I would cut that number in half. Because, I mean, seriously, I would get, you know, pizzas and, and fucking panzerottis and fucking sandwiches and fucking, like, my whole day would be consisted of eating fucking carbs. So, you know, it was just, honestly, it was more of tracking the food. Here's what it is. It's tracking your food and being conscious of what you're fucking putting in your mouth. It really, that's really what it is. Um, and again, I'm not a, a fucking expert. I'm not even a month in, right? I'm not even a month into this. So it's, I'm not sitting here thinking I'm a fucking wizard all of a sudden and know it all. Um, but I just know what, what I've eaten and what the results have been. And I mean, it's kind of obvious of what, what it was before, what it is, what I'm eating now. And there's a, I think there's a correlation between the two. Well, you certainly have my respect and my admiration. And I think the same from plenty of listeners as well. We have, we have a question from Tyler who's asking, what are you doing for your weight loss regimen? He's asking if you're doing keto. I don't know what keto is. It basically, yes. That's what I'm doing. Um, so it's um, keto is basically, um, it, it is calories in, calories out. Let's, let's not fool it. But it is a, a veggie and meat heavy, protein heavy um, diet. So you're keeping your carb count, you know, hopefully under 20 net carbs um, per, you know, per day uh, because you've got to keep your body in a state of where it's needing energy and it's using the fat that you have to, to, for that energy instead of the carbs intake. 
So um, it's 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 not hard to go over that twenty if you're not minding your diet, right? A, a beer could put you know two beers put you over. Um, you know, a bowl of pasta will put you over. Um, you know, and I will and also you- make you into a heavyweight in New Japan. <laughs> right. So, um, I mean, that's that's basically what it is. I'm I'm constantly keeping my body in a state of where it where when it need when it needs energy, it's looking for the reserves that I have built up um, for that energy. So that's that's what that is. That's what that's exactly what I'm doing. So yes, that is that is it. You know what's happened to me? I've started in my daily life, particularly in my teaching using daemonisms so when i teach now something i'm saying all the time is let me ask you this and i've never said that Ah. before i started doing this podcast with you (laughs) well uh i mean if anything came from i mean i i'm i'm I'm, i don't call them potato chips anymore i do call them crisps right um and i here's one thing that i really wish we had um and that we don't have in the states and you do stick out like a sore thumb if you start to incorporate it right but i wish we had mate I love fucking mate. You know, I love that. I wish I wish more I wish we 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 could incorporate that into our 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 everyday life here in the states because I love saying mate. Um so I'll I'll keep trying to push that button. Yeah, well you can say it to me. Um I'll try and spread it around in New York. Let's get some nice, trends going. Nice. So I like that. What I was going to ask you. I was going to say let me ask you this, but it's not actually a question so it doesn't work. Got to my head. <laughs> this is regarding uh, press coverage and media for All In. So, okay. what we're uh, how long into forty-eight minutes, and we just start to talk about All In. So, I will read you this, and you tell me your thoughts. All In exposed once and for all that wrestling media can easily be bought and sold by giving them full access, letting them think they're pals with the boys, and cash out on their public appearances. Wrestling journalists are just as carny as the wrestlers they cover for a living. Well, um, not me. So, because I mean, the implication here, if I'm understanding this correctly, is that this person was implying that people are giving all-in favorable reviews pretty much across the board because they were granted uh, unparalleled press access. Well, I'll I'll tell you what Um, that. I can't speak for everyone, right? Because I'm not every I'm not in everyone's head, and I'm not in everyone's whatever. I I can't say that that doesn't happen, right? But it ain't gonna happen with me because I'll tell you what I talk to more fucking famous people in in a week than I guarantee that half the people not, no all the people <laughs> listening to this podcast. Um, you know, uh, again, I'm I'm gonna be in the locker room. I'll stick a fucking microphone in Carson Wentz's face. I'll stick a microphone in Nick Foles's face. I'll stick a, a microphone in your and on the Super J casts starting quarterback Matt Ryan's face. Right, uh, LeBron James. You, you go down the list of fucking sports superstars, uh, and I'm there. So I don't give a fuck. Right, you can give me a press credential and it don't mean shit to me. Um, it's it. it uh, here's what it does do. It, for me, anyway, it would be oh now I really I can't enjoy this <laughs> because you can't. It's hard to enjoy sports when you are covering it because there is no cheering in a fucking press box. There's no rooting in a press box. You're you're Sonata basically in a fucking press box. And even though in your in your gut you're like yeah the fucking winner we're gonna win the championship you know you 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 fucking you're 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 poker facing it. 
Um, so I can't speak for anybody else. It's, but, so it might be you know, when you when the only way I can give you an analogy is maybe the first times I started working in sports, right? Where I would come home and I would look at my wife and I would say, "You are not going to believe." I was standing right next to the guy. I'm, 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 my elbow was touching a guy, you know, this, whatever I see them with, you know, I'm in a locker room and they're in their uniforms, you know, or, uh, you know, it, like those kind of things in the beginning were like unbelievable moments, right? So if you're a pro wrestling fan and you create a newsletter or a podcast, and now for the first time you're, you're granted that access, I'm not going to lie. You probably are marking out in your mind. Maybe big time, maybe big time, um, but I would hope that it wouldn't skew your your objectivity of the event because you are a reporter at that point. The minute you get that credential, that fandom has to be put in your back pocket. It really does. It has to. Um, now, with that being said, um, was that the case for this? I I I, I haven't seen it. Like, are we talking about a specific? Are we allowed to name names of of who got press credentials and who seems to be pumping this event up more than what it was? Well, from a personal point of view, uh, Voices of Wrestling got press credentials, which oh. uh, I don't know how unusual that is, but certainly something that was celebrated. But uh, I don't think anyone was accusing Voices of Wrestling uh, of being dishonest or being a shill for all of them. I don't think but so. yeah. Yeah. that. That was certainly those takes uh, accusing. I think it was just unspecified press, basically, okay. of be, being worked, well, being marks. Well, I'm sure we'll get into all in in, in just a few moments. Um, but again, I think that kind of goes back to exactly what I said. When you when you are a fan of a product, and now you have this unprecedented access that maybe you never dreamed you would ever have. I'm not going to lie. There are probably some outlets that uh, may do that. I can't. I can't lie because you see that in everyday sports, <laughs> right? Right. Um, so I can't lie. I can't say that that doesn't happen. I. I. I don't think. And again, we are on full disclaimer, as everybody knows. We are on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Um, and to me. And I've said it a million times. To me, they are the standard of what a, and I put this in air quotes, a fan based podcast is all about. Uh, I don't think that, I think that they're the most objective fans that I listen to and I hear constantly. So, no. Yeah. I mean, like, let's be real. If they wanted to become uh, more, you know, quote unquote popular, they could just start doing, you know, uh, clickbaiting, uh, ridiculous headlines, stuff like that, trying to do breaking news. But they don't do stuff like that. Uh, they no. could be doing more exclusive wrestling interviews and stuff. And I know for a fact that they have had the chances to do that, but it's not something that they pursue because it's not, you know, part of the ethos of the website. So they, I think, are one of the most principled. Uh, wrestling websites and, and commenters out there. Yeah, and, and and if you don't believe that, look at their fucking mentions. <laughs> I don't know how. I, I I truly don't know how they do it. They they have they have very thick skin, is what they have, um, and they're able to be themselves and share their opinions uh, with a lot of guts. To be quite honest with you, so um, 
Yeah, I think it's. I think. Uh, I think they're barking up the wrong tree if they're talking about the voice of wrestling. But again, there there are so many. Um, there are so many different. I mean, that whole podcast row thing. I mean, there were a lot of fucking shows that were willing to to do that, and 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 I know, I know. Here's Rich is in that area, right? Uh, he's in the Chicago area, so that's makes it a little bit more convenient for him. But there are other people that flew in, right? So. Um, Again, I can't speak for everybody. I'm not listening to everybody. I don't know everybody's fucking takes. But um, to say that that person is is completely out of his mind, I don't think he is. Or she is. Um, I think that's... Uh, I think there's some validity to that. Uh, and Or there could be some validity to that. Because, because I see that in mainstream sports, quite honestly, all the fucking time. Also, I think... If it's a situation where the media in question are being paid to promote and, and appear, then that does become problematic. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I, I'll tell you right now that I know for a fact that we don't get as much exclusivity um, New Japan stuff that than I would like. And a big reason of that is, is that we're not afraid to bang on something that we think is wrong or could be improved or better. Again... We've been accused of uh, – this is what I like about this show, when, especially when it comes to our pro wrestling takes. The other nonsense that we talk about, okay, great. I can, uh, I can understand people hand-waving that and whatever. Um, but when it comes to the, to the meat and potatoes of what we fucking do here, um, we get criticism for being overly, pop, uh, overly positive toward New Japan, and we get criticism for banging on it. Right? Why do you talk about it if you fucking hate it so much? Why can't you just enjoy it? You know, we get all that, right? So, I, But that's good to me. Like, as long as we keep that balance, right, of people saying, oh, you're a fucking circle jerk. Oh, you bang on it too much. You must really hate the product. Why the fuck do you even do a podcast on New Japan? That, that, as long as that's constantly flowing, I feel like we're doing a good job because our objectivity is still there. But I'll tell you what, if, let's say, we get the phone call from New Dad Harold, yeah. and he says, boys, fly, flying you out to Tokyo, new job yeah. for you. You're going to be doing the official NJPW fans podcast but you're not allowed to criticize anything and you have to say exactly what we're telling you to say i'm selling out like that no no two <laughs> questions about it i'm there yeah. i i would i probably too if, if, if they paid me enough money to to pay my mortgage in my car and be able to maintain the same lifestyle yeah i would fucking do it i no doubt but i would be perfectly it wouldn't be the super j cast it would be that now here's the thing so back in the day like when podcasts were kind of starting to grow, and certainly not to the point where it is right now, I did the Philadelphia Flyers, the hockey team. I did their official podcast, and I did it for two or three years, um, doing interviewing players and putting it on their website. And I was told specifically that I couldn't be negative. I couldn't be like, "Oh, that trade was fucking useless." It wasn't that. It, I worked for. I got a check from the Philadelphia Flyers. Right, so their product is everything's great, smiles and blah 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 blah. That was it, and that's that was the understanding. So there wasn't any, but but if you're going to if you're going to download a a company's podcast, please bear in mind that you're not going to get that objectivity. You are going to get smiles and everything because they that's that's the message that they want to send out. So if New Japan said, "Hey Damon, hey fucking Joel." 
you're going to do the podcast for our official English speaking voice of, and you, Kevin Kelly, and 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 Damon are going to fucking do this, which would be great. I'm, I'm all in, guys. Just fucking <laughs> can we can we do this? Um, then that's that's the understanding, and and that's the expectation of it. If you're going in there to be like, oh, you're not criticizing the the way they're, they're booking the, the the junior tag belts, now you ain't gonna fucking get that. You ain't gonna get fucking get that. That's why we do what we do here. There you go. Okay, and we're an hour into the show. Let's actually start discussing some of these matches from All In. So we started off with the pre-show, which was called Zero Hour, with SoCal Uncensored, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky defeating the Briscoe brothers, Jay and Mark, in twelve minutes and thirty-three seconds. I thought it was a good opener. Um, and here's hmm. here, I I thought it was good. I didn't know that it was great. I mean, but it, I thought it was good. I thought it did, here's what it needed to do. It needed to get people to commit to getting this pay-per-view event, right? That's This is what this pre-show was. And I'll be truthful. And it may not even be the match itself, right? And it may not even be the entire, you know, what was presented in the ring per se, right? I'll tell you what won me over to say, because I, I didn't... I wasn't going to get this event. I was going to go out Saturday night and do whatever I do, right? But I'm sitting there and I'm watching this pre-show and I'm like, "Fuck, they they they, they got me!" <laughs> like the crowd was into it. It was a ravenous crowd. It was a a a crowd looking for anything to cheer. I don't know. That got me pumped up. And maybe it was just in the moment. Maybe it was, you know, the fact that this is a, a to me, a, a, a historic event. I, I, they got me to plunk down the 30 something dollars for pay-per-view. I paid. <laughs> I paid. I can't remember the last time I did that outside of, you know, subscribing to a network to actually pay 30 bucks for a fucking pay-per-view in this day and age. Are you fucking kidding me? I did it. And and so they were successful. That zero hour was successful, at least for me. Um, and I thought the match was 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 good. I thought it did what it needed to do. It was it was you know twelve pounds of shit in a ten pound bag, but you know I, they did what it needed to do. So did you make the decision to buy the pay per view during the tag match or during the battle royal? During the tag match. During the tag match. Yeah. Matter of fact, um, it was a little bit of a struggle for me to find it. Like, I I didn't want to get the fucking fight network and all. I I, Like, that to me was like, I cannot fucking do this. And so it was the battle of, okay, if this is on my TV, like, if I can find this on my Verizon cable package, uh, I would would get it. So it took me a little bit to find out because I hadn't ordered a pay-per-view. I got to be honest with you, in years. So I was like, where in the fuck are these channels? I don't even know where it is. And how do I find it? So I'm scrolling through my guide, scrolling, 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 scrolling. And I finally find it. And it was like, hi, hey, do I do it or not? And I was like, fuck it. I'm doing it. Um, so if it, if it wasn't on my TV, I don't know if I would have done it. I would have waited. I probably would have waited for New Japan World. And I would have been like, all right, let's go out. Let's fucking do something. It's Saturday night. But. The fact that it was right in front of me, it, it made, me, made it easier for me to pull the trigger. Now, I will say this too. That speaks a little bit. And again, I, I, I kind of consider myself somewhat a little bit tech savvy. 
I can fucking hook up an HDMI cable to my computer. I can I, I know how to work the Chromecast or, or the Fire Stick or whatever the case may be. I, I, I can get that. There are plenty of people that don't. And they want that ease of, is it on my TV? Can I push a button? Blah, 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 blah. I need to, you know, they're, they're that fucking inept. That, that speaks volumes. That pay-per-click, uh, pay-per-click, <laughs> oops, uh, pay-per-view is not dead. It really isn't. There is still a market for dopes like me right? who just want the ease of, I'm on my couch. I don't want to get my fucking laptop. Is it here? Can I push a button? Great. Here it is. That that speaks volume. Well, yeah. You just look at things like Mayweather against McGregor. When it comes mm-hmm. to mainstream stuff, pay-per-view is still relevant. Yeah. Yeah. And a big time, yeah, big time boxing match or a big time fight or big time wrestling event. It, it could, could still happen. Um, there is something to be said about that ease of use um, when it comes to people don't want to fucking, I got to put ninety nine ninety nine for a network. It's on my computer. Where is it? I got my Apple TV. A lot of people don't have that shit. Um, I have it all, but, you know, um, not a humble brag there, but um, I have it all. But um, there are a lot of people that don't, so they just want to be able to push a button. I pushed a button, and that match, that, that Southern so- SoCal and Briscoe's match, that, that was that was that. Did what it needed to do. Got me to buy the pay-per-view. And I'll tell you what, I think without the being the elite and the little comedy things of SoCal and Sensor doing the, this is the worst town I've ever been in gimmick, perhaps the crowd would not be as invested in it as they were. Maybe. The Briscoes got a lot of booze. Why do people hate the Briscoes? I don't know. I guess that maybe they just like SoCal Uncensored. Really? Okay. Um, I, I, I mean, because it seemed like they got a really uh, a lot of booze for, and I, and I was like, oh, why are they getting being booed? I don't know why. Right. Um, like, I don't know what the, the the general consensus is online of what the Briscoes are, but I, I mean, seem to be seem to be go away booze as opposed to booze your heels. I don't know. It just felt weird. All right. Uh, what else? Was, we got? Then were we got you the suffering from? Yeah, I was just going to ask, were you suffering from audio issues during the Zero Hour? Yeah. I mean, listen, there were technical issues all throughout. Like, they went to, um, what, they had Sean Mooney, former WWF, uh, you know, the control center was Sean Mooney. Um, the They had him, and they, they threw it to him, and it was supposed to be like an interview with him and, I think it was Cody, I want to say. Or no, it was him and um, somebody, I forget. But it wound up being Nick Aldis. Um, so again, there's little tiny little things, some audio issues going in and out. Um, but even with that said, I think for their first event, um, and again, I know they used a lot of Ring of Honor production people and and a lot of that stuff. This is their first event, and it, and it, here's the thing that also helped win me over: it looked like a legitimate event. It did not look like a uh, a Mickey Mouse promotion. It did not look like they half-assed it on on production, which means a lot. That that gift wrap wrapping and that then that glitter, that sparkle, that means a lot to people. The per, the perception of it being big time. It was a packed arena, a a a juiced up crowd, and it looked like a modern day legitimate pro wrestling event and not in somebody's fucking backyard. It looked it looked solid. With the with the jumbotrons and everything else, um, so even those little production issues aside, 
the look and feel of it look like a legitimate pro wrestling event. All right, uh, let's talk about the next match then, which was the 19-person over-budget battle royal to determine the number one contender to the ROH World Championship, which went 17 minutes, and we finished with Flip Gordon winning by last eliminating Bully Ray. I thought it was very clever how they did this. It was really well booked. They had lots of little mini stories and feuds going on within it that were connected to wider arcs in their particular uh, wrestling promotions. And when I saw Bully Ray coming in and being in towards the end of the match, I was thinking, oh my God, they're actually going to have Bully Ray win this. We're going to have a Bully Ray versus Jay Lethal ROH title match on the show and it's going to be crap. And then when Flip Gordon popped up, uh, revealing himself doing the son of Chico El Luchador, whatever he was doing. I don't know if you remember, if you watched the 2008 Royal Rumble, when John Cena made his miraculous comeback from his injury and he comes out at number 30 and there's like a close-up of a fan. I think that was at MSG who is kind of throws his arms up and is like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Not him, but he's also got a big smile on his face. That was my reaction to it being Flip Gordon because I'd sort of forgotten about him and I was like, oh my God, it's Flip. But I was kind of grinning as well and enjoying it. I thought they they did that in a very clever way. I'll tell you what, that reaction that you just mentioned that, that that was a lot of this show, right? For me, right? Where I'm laughing and giggling and and kind of, oh, Jesus Christ. But it's it's a, oh, Jesus Christ, with a big fucking smile on my face. Um, again, not everything on that show was geared toward what I, what is in my pro wrestling wheelhouse. But even with that said, the stuff that wasn't, I think, hit the mark. And I enjoyed, and 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 even thinking about some of the stuff, I'm sitting here with a smile on my face. I mean, that's right. When it comes to what we talked about, well, the end of the game is profitability, and blah 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 blah. Well, the end of the at the end of the day, you know, when it came to this show, it's it, that's really what is up. They here's what All In did. They marketed this event to an audience that they really, truly, I felt like understood. This wasn't a show for a guy who, or, or a young lady or an old lady or an old man or whatever uh, who wants to see fucking an all-Japan main event uh, with two guys beating the shit out of each other. I, mean, I don't think it was that audience, right? It felt like, to me, this, the, the goofy stuff and what I would consider the silly stuff got over just as much as the fucking... You know, shit that where I'm jumping out of my chair for the package pile driver spots, right? Um, I I I think they just got over just as much. Uh, they knew their audience, and they and they and they and they and they pushed those buttons for that audience like no one else. They they hit the mark. Um, that's what you just described with Flip winning that battle royal, that smile on your face, and you shaking your heads and throwing your hands in the air. Like, oh, I can't fucking believe it, but ha, it's fucking great. That's exactly what it was for a lot of the show for me. And 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 that's a good thing, I think. Yeah, the show was just basically one big payoff to being the elite yeah. with all the little story threads that they've had going, basically delivering with some sort of in-ring situation. And it was very successful in that. Yeah, like you say, it wasn't the kind of show that is for someone like me because I'm more into the... So the long singles matches with the proper, well, quote unquote, proper wrestling. But in spite of that, I thought I wasn't going to enjoy the show, and I did enjoy it. But uh, I mean, it, with regards to this battle royal itself, uh, any other thoughts on that? What, what did you think of Marco Stunt, who's been 
the talk of the town recently on the indie circuit. Uh, is that the small guy? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, he he's he's the modern day Spike Dudley, right? <laughs> that's that's that that seems to be his role of of getting tossed about uh, in very dangerous and uh, very hurtful ways. He uh, he did that to a T. So yeah, that's that. I mean, at the end of the day, that's that's what it obviously reminded me of. He's a modern day Spike Dudley. Um, I did like the best friend spot, where <laughs> and again, this is a nod to production, and this is a nod to uh, you know little, little things of being a pro wrestling fan. You, you know, if you're just watching a WWE product and you're tuning into this, you might not get the reference. But you know, the best friend spot where they hug in the ring and they zoom out Rainmaker style <laughs> was was great to me. Like that that those kind of things in this battle royal were 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 fun. And and Colcabana breaking out his moon salts and um, uh, uh, not, you know, look. We knew it was Jordan it, Grace, who was quite impressive. With oh yeah, power with, spots with Brian Cage. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, she looked great. Um, I think she, I think she 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 helped improve her stock. That's for sure. Um, I'm trying to think of other highlights that I had. I'm just trying to go off the top of my head. I mean, to, to me, the, the the best friend spot was was one of the most memorable spots of of uh, of the battle royal. So uh, I thought it was good. I thought it was fun. I thought it did what it needed to do. Um, and again, once again, it provided more opportunity for people to push the the buy button for the pay per view. So I think they accomplished that. I tell you what, I, did you see? Uh, did you see? Uh, I, I I liked the, the pro. At times, it felt like a pro wrestling tease infographic uh, infomercial. Um, I liked the little 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 uh, Joey Ryan uh, uh, pro wrestling tease uh, commercials that we saw 750,000 times. So um, look, I think they did a good job for what they had and the opportunity that they had. So uh, I'll, I'll give a thumbs up to the uh, zero hour pre-show. Okay. The first match on the main show was Matt Cross defeating MJF in nine minutes, 23 seconds. Uh, what did you think of MJF? Uh, I thought both guys tried as hard as they could. Um, I, 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 what are they? I, I'm almost positive I saw one of them on a CZW show. Um, I thought they were fine. I thought they were. You know, I'm, I'm not going to bang on them. This is the this is the biggest spotlight match in front of twelve thousand people in an arena. I'm sure they were shitting their pants as they were coming down the fucking ramp. Um, and I thought they were. I, th- I thought it was okay and solid. It wasn't anything that I'm going to go out of my way to watch. But for what they were for an opening match, I would. I kind of would hope they would be a little bit more sizzle, a little bit more sizzle. But I thought it was fine for what it was. And I thought. I. Th- I, I honestly thought, even for the amount of time that they have, I thought it felt a little bit long. Um, <laughs> as we found out, it probably could have been shaved uh, at least a few minutes for the main event. But um, I thought it was fine. I'll, I'll give it a solid fine. To me, MJF looked like if you took every single wrestler from the WWE Performance Center and then smushed them all together, that's MJF. Even yeah. down to his in-ring start, which was kind of awkward and slow and clunky and him constantly, uh, every time he does a move, sort of mug into the crowd like with that, oh, I just did a move kind of face and shouting at the audience, hey, shut up and stuff like that. So uh, I... <laughs> 
I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised if I see him in NXT before long. I wouldn't be surprised either. And here's the thing: you know, a lot of a lot of these independent promotions they do they do feel like that, where it's a minor league of an NXT, and the movements and like they're playing to a hard camera that's not there. <laughs> like like you're in a gym and you're playing to a hard because that's the goal for a lot of these people. I mean, that's that's they're they're trying to work a style to show the company to bring them on of, oh, I can do this and, and I can I can already fit into what you're looking for as a as a sports entertainer. Um so that's that's the style that they're working. Yeah. You could you could absolutely see that, sure. Next match was Christopher Daniels defeated Stephen Amell in twelve minutes. Uh Stephen Amell has no cachet with me. I don't know who he is. I don't watch Arrow. So yeah. I was coming in on this match somewhat dispassionately but given that he this is basically a celebrity match i thought he did a really good job yeah yeah i mean if you were going to rank all the celebrity matches that you've seen in your entire life i mean obviously snooki would be number one um the i i will say two things about this one uh christopher daniels i think did a great job in 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 slowing him down Amel when he needed to again he's not selling you know like like we would hope a pro wrestler would sell and he's not you know doing fundamentally sound you know but for what he did he did he did he reminded me a lot of Shane McMahon right he like yes Shane, I was just thinking know, that yeah he reminded me of what Shane McMahon is in the sense of he's willing to do some some dangerous spot that that elbow from the top to the floor through the table that was fucking, you know, for a, a, a Stephen Amell to pull that off. You got to give the guy credit. That's that's a ballsy fucking thing to do. Um, so yeah, that's that. Like when I'm watching this match, it kind of felt like this is this is like AJ versus Shane to me. Um, and the, the, number two is even though he's not in my wheelhouse, like I don't I don't watch Arrow. I don't know. I mean, I know people know who he is. Um, my wife didn't know who he was but but he she heard the name and she's looked up from the couch she's like Steve I know that name Stephen Amell he's wrestling I was like yeah he's wrestling he's like oh what the, how much did they pay him I was like I don't know like I think Cody's friends with him or something um so there is some name recognition there so uh I thought he did good I thought he did you know again when I wasn't I trust me I wasn't expecting much I was expecting a I think he, I think he overshot my ex- expectations. ML, I really did. Um, I think he, I think he overshot. Again, he's not in a tag match. This is not fucking Dennis Rodman in a tag match, or uh, Carl Malone, or you know, what, what you know, name the other thousands of, of celebrities that have been in tag matches. Singles match. That's not easy. Um, and Christopher Daniels is a pro, so he was able to wet nurse him through. But um, got to give him credit. I got to give him credit. He did. He did better than I thought. Um, he did dangerous spots, uh, which took a lot of balls. And I don't think the match was horrible. I thought it was okay. Yeah, and the same for the next one. Uh, Tessa Blanchard defeated Chelsea Green, Madison Rain, and Britt Baker in a four-corner survival match in 12 minutes. I'm not a big fan of multi-person matches, triple threats, four-ways, stuff like this, because they usually degenerate into two people having a nap on the outside of the ring whilst two people go at it and then towards the end of the match you just have people doing moves on each other in various combinations but that said I thought this match was a lot of fun it was very quick very 
high paced it was very exciting very well worked very well executed and yeah i was impressed with all the people what did you think yeah i thought this i mean truth be told i mean if i'm gonna rank every every uh women's wwe match that i've seen um i I, you know and and even nxt match something most nxt matches i think it could fit comfortably in any one of them um i thought it was fine I had no problems with it at all, actually. Um, what do you think of the of, of the Tessa Blanchard? She seems to be the the talk of the town when it comes to the pro wrestling. I know Impact is is totally infatuated with her. Um, what, what's your take on the Tessa? I will, oh, I will say this before you give your take. Uh, I did like the Tully Blanchard and and the Magnum and and I like that. I like I liked I liked seeing. That little element. There's always little tips of the cap to wrestling of the past. I'm a big fan of that um, throughout the show. There were always, again, not not a ton, right? But there were always little not, nods and little winks and little, again, tips of the hat to uh, old school pro wrestling, which I, I, I enjoyed all those little, little, little things. Why is she so angry? She seemed really in quite a rage in this match. I don't know if that's something she does regularly. I, I haven't got much to judge it on apart from the match I, I saw that. Uh, what was the... Was it Slammiversary oh. that I watched recently that I enjoyed? Okay. She's a very talented worker. Um, yeah. But there's a slight issue in as much as Don Callis is trying so hard to put her over and say how awesome she is that internally I feel inclined to sort of push back against that and inclined towards disliking her and finding flaws and, and criticism. But yeah, she's, she's pretty good. What, what do you think? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I mean, these are, these are probably some of the softest takes. Cause I don't, I truth be told, I don't have a huge body of work when it comes to um, Tessa Blanchard. Like I don't, you know, I, I, I don't really see her that often cause I don't really watch a lot of impact. So uh, again, I, I I'm trying to 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 maybe I need to go out of my way to watch a little bit more and get a bit a little bit of a better spin on you know her style and her matches and I mean I get I get I get across the board I get people telling me that she's you know the the second coming and I get people saying oh, she's an oh you know, she's very overrated so I don't know I mean I. I Maybe maybe people can give us some feedback on what matches I need to watch for Tessa Blanchard to kind of get a better opinion. So if you have that, well, no, if, yeah, I, I would say if you're a person who watches a lot of women's wrestling, a lot of Joshi, then probably the bar is very high. But for me, the only other women's wrestling that I'm exposed to is what I see on WWE, and the bar for that is pretty low considering we're getting people like Carmella and Nia Jax who with the best will in the world are simply not at that level. So compared to that, someone like Tessa Blanchard looks really, really good. Let me ask you this. Did you watch the Mae Young Classic last year? I did. You did. What'd you think? Of the Mae Young Classic as yeah. a whole? Yeah. A mixed bag, really. There were some people there who probably shouldn't have been I don't know, maybe it's unfair to say that because I guess the intention of something like the Mae Young Classic is to also get over some developmental talent, some international talent, and then get down to the serious business. I would say once it got down to your serious people like Kyrie Hojo, Kyrie Sane, uh, Tony Storm, 
then mm-hmm. it was really good. Early rounds, I could hand wave that. It wasn't anything to write home about. One person who I was very impressed by was, uh, I think the German lady, Jazzy Gabbert. Jazzy Gabbert, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly, but she was really impressive. And But she had a quite a serious neck injury. And yeah. She was on the Edge and Christian podcast, actually. And it was a really, really good interview with her. She's a very interesting person. had quite a, a difficult upbringing. So she was someone that I felt drawn towards. She was one of the uh, more... Um, charismatic people in the May Young Classic. But yeah, so it's your original question. Early rounds, not great. Latter rounds, really good. Okay, cool. Uh, I will, uh, yeah, like I said, if you if, if anybody's got the Tessa Blanchard, give me, give me, the, give me the best three. Uh, I'll watch them and uh, I'll get back. I'll get you some feedback next week. How about that? that that'll be a fair because I don't think I'm, a, I'm an expert when it comes to the Tessa Blanchard as of yet. Is she the person who's reportedly got a shitty attitude backstage and thinks she's better than everyone? I mean, I, I did hear th- that, and, and I don't know if that's was overblown or I don't know if that's um, been been taken care of. I, 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 I you know, give me, give me what she does in the ring. You know what I mean? If she's got a shitty attitude, trust me, I could name seven people off the top of my head who got shitty attitudes in a locker room. Um, let, let, let me see the matches, and and then and then I'll make a determination of the of of my fandom from there or not. Okay, next match then was Cody with Brandy Rose, Diamond Dallas Page, Glacier, and Tommy Dreamer <laughs> defeating Nick Aldis with Jeff Jarrett, Samuel Shaw, Sean Divari, and Tim Storm in a singles match for the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship in 22 minutes, which felt like about 22 hours to me. Uh, what did you think of this match? I thought everything was amazing except large pockets of the match, right? I thought the build to <laughs> this – I thought the build That's to this – That's a curious egg, isn't it? Yeah, was – the build to this was, Joel, amazing. For the first time in I can't remember how long, I was – pumped not only for a Cody Rhodes match but I was pumped for an NWA an NWA world heavyweight title match I was jazzed they that though that them coming to the uh to the uh the entrance the gorilla position if you will uh through the through the corridors of the arena with their entourage uh, Cody with his fucking dog uh, who was probably the third most over <laughs> in air quotes person on the show. Oh, man, that, that was the biggest pop of the night for me. When it zoomed down and I saw the dog, I jumped out of my seat. It was amazing. Right. Wasn't it? Wasn't it? I mean, DDP being like knowing, you know, doing just enough to fucking not be in the way and get himself over. Tommy Dreamer, uh, Jeff Jarrett being the subtle prick. Uh, very subtle. Um, the 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 lead up, the Earl Hebner, uh, referee, and he's stammering over his fucking words. First time he's had to speak on a live month mic in you know thirty five years. Um, the crowd was into it. Everybody felt good about it. Um, then the match happened, right? And the match was okay. Uh. I mean, I saw somebody online say, 
Cody did every did, did everything he fucking possibly could within his power. You know, he's got his dog, he's got DDP, he's going to fucking blade. He's got he's doing everything he possibly can to fucking do this match. Uh he went it was it was uh an old school feel uh executed okay, right? Um I think I think the crowd, the energy, the pomp, the circumstance, the fucking uh, feeling and the emotion that built made this match. And if if those elements weren't there, this match would probably be in the kind of range. Uh, but all those things carried this match uh, to a real enjoyable, fun uh dare I say, meaningful win. Now, listen, 10 minutes after that was over, I, I'm still like, all right, he's the fucking Enderoy champion. What did he do? But in that moment, in that 15 minutes or 20 minutes that that moment took place, they did everything fucking right to pew, 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 right in your fucking pro wrestling emotions. It really did. It did. It, it went all out assault. On your pro wrestling nostalgia and your pro wrestling uh, feelings uh, in those 20 minutes. So for that, I got to give it a fucking thumbs up, man. I got to give it a thumbs up. Um, Again, match quality-wise, that's all right. It's all right. Uh, Nick Aldis doesn't do anything for me. Really doesn't. We talked a little bit earlier about dry as toast. And, you know, well... Dry's no, we talk off the air about dry as toast. Uh you know, this is dry as toast. So uh but everything else that surrounded this match made up for it for me, so I gotta give it a thumbs up. Yeah, I think the most memorable part of it is gonna be the walkout and Cody coming out to that absolutely rapturous applause and reception. And I never thought I would see something like that. Like when he first asked for his WWE release and he was appearing on the independent circuits, even early in his New Japan run, I never imagined that we'd get a 10,000 sellout arena all chanting for him and, and screaming his name and giving him a reception like that. So fair play to him. That was something that you know did send chills down your spine and you have to admire and respect his his hustle and his ambition to have that vision and the drive to make something like that happen. Um, everything after the bell I thought was bad. I thought it was a really slow, boring match. I didn't enjoy it at all. You know, 22 minutes was far too long considering the people involved, but it's fine. You know, it, it is what it is. You can't begrudge Cody giving himself a, a match like that on a stage that, you know, he's built really. So yeah. I can't have too many complaints about that, even if I didn't like the match. I think the occasion more than made up for it. Listen, that guy, for all that he did, and again, I'm the, I am the, everybody knows, everybody can listen. I've laid the boots to Cody a trillion times. It's, it, it's no secret, right? In ring, even to this day, in ring doesn't do much for me. That guy could have walked in the middle of the ring and took a shit, and it would have gotten two stars for me. <laughs> right? Uh, all that he did, uh, leading up, and, and you're right, the hustle and and the the the, I don't know. He just like I was actually happy for the guy. I really felt happy for 
what he was able to accomplish. A lot of hard work, a lot of hustle. Um, and even I can't think of anybody who's been able to rehabilitate their career more than Cody Rhodes, you know, especially leaving the WWE. Like I'm trying to really rack my brain and think, give me another guy who's been able to rehabilitate himself to the level that Cody Rhodes has. I mean, people can point their finger at Juice and say, you know, he's probably the guy, but not at, Juice is not at the level of Cody. He's just not. Um, like if Juice is going to put on a, a, a pro wrestling show in the middle of Chicago and ain't drawing 10,000 people. Um, so watch this time next year, Juice Robinson sells out the United Center in Chicago. Um, yeah, you're right. It, it's, he, it's a, it's a remarkable story and he deserved every, every clap and every applaud and every, every standing ovation that he got that night. That was his night and he deserved it. All right, a few questions on this. Uh, Bushi Lives Matter says, is Pharaoh the goodest doggo you've ever seen? Definitely. Like I said, I think he was my favorite part of the whole show. And Oscar Rooney says, if Juice wins against Cody on Fighting Spirit, will he go after the NWA title? And Jordan says, if Cody were to defend the World Championship in NJPW, who would be the best opponent? So what do you think about the possibility of Juice going after the title? And if not, do you think we see this belt defended in New Japan? We saw we saw NWA involvement a few years ago, right? Um, with uh, Big Daddy Yum Yum. <laughs> well, everybody was all remember those days, right? Uh, so uh, it would not shock me to see NWA some type of NWA involvement once again. Billy Corgan will uh, find his way in to New Japan. I think we'll see uh, at the very least. You know, if if it's not even, you know what? Now that I now that I think of it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you see it at the Dome, if you see Cody defending the NWA title at the Dome. Here's the thing. As shocking as this sounds, um, the NWA name still means a, a, a decent amount, at least to the, the older school pro wrestling fans in Japan. It really does. Um, maybe not so much you know, the newer fans in Japan, but there is there you know the the people that follow pro wrestling know the NWA and they know the name and the name is still synonymous with you know still the Briscoes and and you know Baba winning the belt and uh, Flair and uh, you know Harley Race and you know, those people it's still the Funks it's still there's still a connection there it's still it's still somewhat of a name um, to pro wrestling fans in Japan so. I wouldn't be surprised if you see it defended at the at the dome. Would not. Do you think, irrespective of the NWA title, Cody is a big enough star and established enough in New Japan that he automatically gets a singles match at Wrestle Kingdom? Um, I don't know if automatic is the word I would use, but. I would say 50-50. I, I would say it's a 50-50 shot. Um, I mean, he's a bigger star than he was when he got a singles match against Juice, right? I think I think we all could agree with that. Um, I think it's I think it's probably more than a 50-50 shot that he has a singles match at the Dome. I think it's more than a 50-50 shot that he has a singles match at the Dome, yeah. And just throw a name at me. Who do you think it could be? Well, it's going to be one of those lower level guys. No, I, well, let me pump the brakes on that. Maybe a mid card guy, 
Um, so uh, somebody of the juice or the hangman pages or the um, uh, somebody somebody in, on, on that level, I think, is where, where we're looking. Right. Uh, next match, then, speaking of Hangman Page, it was Hangman Page that defeated Joey Janela in a Chicago street fight that went 20 minutes with some <laughs> quite outrageous product placement. I think they said the word crack a barrel about 50 times during this yeah. match. Yeah. Uh, I like Joey Janela. I think Joey Janela is... Uh, I see him a lot here in, in this in this area. So he's feels like he's on just about every single independent show. Um... He is a massive pro wrestling fan, and it shows. And I and I like that about him a lot. Um, I thought Hangman Page was was tremendous in this match. I thought he was really good. Uh, this was a plunder match. You know what I mean? This was a brawl in the crowd, and they had a lot of, a lot of dives in the crowd once again, and a lot of dangerous spots, and a lot of a lot of shenanigans, a lot of craziness, a lot of outside interference when it. Um, when it came to Joey Janela, um, I'm not a big fan of these type of hardcore rematches. To be honest with you, like these type of matches usually, like like when they go out into the crowd and shit, and they start brawling on the outside. And even though they're you're, you're good for a, a a crazy spot here and there, I'm usually that's usually when I'm going for my phone. I'll, I'll be truthful. Um, I, I thought this match was okay. I thought it was. I, I wish it would. I really wish it were better. I just, I don't know. It's just maybe it's the style of match that that is is more of a problem than the people that were in the match. It's just. It. I. I didn't feel this one as much as I felt like I should. How about you? Uh, again, I think this is one of those things where if you are really into the uh, being the elite stuff and this ongoing story with. Joey Ryan and Hangman Page and the murder thing, then you're going to get a lot more out of this. I think it was very camp. It was uh, tongue-in-cheek stuff. And the big spots were pretty brutal. And it's come with the territory for Adam Page. This is what you're going to get when he's in a big match like that. He's going to throw his body around and do ridiculously dangerous things. So I guess if we're talking star ratings, then... What would I say? I'd say three and a half, three and three quarters. I thought it was really entertaining match. If you take it with a pinch of salt for what it is, which is just a spot fest, some crazy bumps and silly little callbacks to being the elite. It was like a better version of Gargano against Champa that wasn't taking itself so seriously. Okay. Yeah, I was in the threes with it, right? I'm probably a little bit lower than, than yours. I'm probably in the lower threes, um, but I'm not even taking it into consideration. I'm just taking the match because I think what happened afterward uh, was that that was one of those moments that we just talked about, Joel, where I'm watching this thing and I'm I'm laughing. I'm actually giggling at what what took place, and you you can describe it probably better than I can. Uh, but it was it was pretty funny. I, I'm not gonna lie. Now listen. I don't watch being the elite. I probably and and to me, the whole idea of Joey Ryan being bludgeoned to death with a telephone, and Adam Page's 
boots talking to him? Is that is that what is that what this, he's going so crazy that his boots are talking to him? That that went over my head. To be yeah, truthful. I think he got blood or he got Joey Ryan's blood over his boots, and he was trying to get rid of the boots. Then he was walking around in bare feet, and then the boots kept coming back to represent his guilty conscience. Okay, hey, that's stupid. <laughs> Not for nothing. But uh, you know, that's that's whatever. But that's fine. You know what I mean? That's it's comedy pro wrestling, and that's that's fine. Um, and then the resurrection of of Joey Ryan. Look, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. I laughed. I absolutely laughed. I I the little the little tip of the cap to the Undertaker and the and the Druids. Did you know, Joel, that I was a Druid? I was an Undertaker Druid. No way. Yes, Tell I was. More. All right. Uh, it was the lead-in. It was the last show. It was the Raw before going into SummerSlam with uh, The Undertaker and Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? So we had to get to the Wells Fargo Center in Philadelphia, and Cornette lined it up with Dennis Carluzzo. Um, so we got to the arena, and we met Cornette there, and uh, we're in the back, and the Undertaker's walking by, and Cornette's like, hey, Taker, this, these are your druids, blah, blah, blah. And he just looks us up and down, and he goes, do they have black socks? And 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 Cornette's like, yeah, 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 everybody's got black socks. Yeah, everybody's got black Yeah, we were all like, yeah, 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 we got it. Uh, everybody got black shoes. Yeah, yeah, everybody's got black shoes. Everybody's got black shoes. Everybody got black pants. Yep, everybody's every shoulder of their bags. Yep, we got black pants. Good. And he just walks away. <laughs> he doesn't even acknowledge us. <laughs> uh, so then we had to do a, a practice run. And then uh, so it was uh, Steve Austin and King were in this big coffin, right? So we had to wheel down this coffin, down the, the ramp, live on Raw, and park it. There was a little, a little trap. I don't want to expose the business here. There's a trap door in the, uh, in the coffin. So me, it was me. Uh, Twiggy Ramirez, the guy that I was with, um, Anthony, um, Lupus, uh, Kent Porter, who did some ECW stuff with Raven, uh, Simon Diamond, Lance Diamond, um, Don, Donnie B, Donnie B, Bushi, Bushi, whose brother worked for WWE, um, who else was it? Harley Lewis, was Harley in there? But a bunch of New Jersey independent guys, we... Inferno Kid, I think, was one of them. I think Inferno was one of them. Um, we had to wheel down the, the fucking coffin and park the coffin with Steve Austin and Kane in the fucking coffin and park it against the, the, the ring skirt so that the trap door would open. One person would go underneath the ring. So McMahon, or was it McMahon? Yeah, McMahon was cutting a promo. or No, Undertaker was cutting a promo. And then, boom, coffin opens, and here comes fucking Stone Cold. Boom, 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 boom. And then... King comes out of the coffin like, oh, how the fuck did King get here? And then that all shit. Or maybe it was vice versa, I forget. Um, but yeah, we had we had a practice run. So it's it's all of us, all of us fucking independent schmoes. And Vince McMahon and Steve Austin and Kane and The Undertaker on top of the ramp doing a practice run through. And they didn't even acknowledge we were alive. Like, they didn't even look at us. They didn't even fucking, like, but we were standing right there and they told us what to do and we did it. Um, so as we go live, right, we were the la- one of the last segments, right? So they hit the house lights, boom, here comes the smoke and everything, and we're shitting our pants. We're like, oh, fuck, here we go. So we're, uh, we're in Gorilla, and they're like, Druids, go, go, go. And we're like, 
go. Steve Austin is outside the fucking coffin drinking a beer. He's just drinking a beer. He's like, everybody at the Saints, it's like a Three Stooges movie. Everybody points at Steve Austin. He's like, he's not in the coffin. Steve, get the fuck in the coffin. Finishes his beer, hops in the coffin, in goes Kane, and we have to wheel this fucking thing out. So this coffin is on like shopping cart wheels, right? So there's these cheap fucking wheels. And there's a giant curtain when you go through to the ramp to get down to the ring. So we're trying to get the fucking coffin. We got two, you know, we got a 220 pound guy and a 300 pound guy in a coffin. So we're all trying to move this fucking thing. We move the coffin. It gets stuck on one of the curtains. So one of the curtains is stuck in the wheel. We're all, we can't move because if we move, the curtain's going to get tore down, right? So everybody, it was like, it's like one of these feats of strength where like a mom is saving her kid from like getting run over by a car and lifts the car. So we all get behind and lift it. And I think it was, I want to say, who, who's the guy who does the fucking podcast that with uh, something to wrestle podcast? It's the, who was Brother Love? Who's that guy? Um, I forget that guy's name, but you know who I mean. So he Bruce Pritchard. Pu- Bruce Pritchard, yeah. He pulls the fucking curtain out from the wheel, right? As we lift the, the coffin, goes down, and then we wheel the fucking coffin down. Because if you watch the Raw, Shawn Michaels is on commentary. He's like, oh, it's taking a long time for these fucking druids to get out or something like that. That's what we were doing. We were lifting the fucking coffin up so that we didn't tear down the entire set. We finally get the fucking thing down. And I'm the first druid on the, I guess if you're looking at the shot on the left. So I'm going down the ramp. And I know this is my only time I'm ever going to be on the fucking WWE. I'm not ever going to do the, you know. So I had the druid thing. You know how you like you keep your head down and fucking be a druid? Not me. I had the fucking, the hood, like literally above, like behind my ears. <laughs> so you can see my face the whole fucking time, right? Because I was like, I'm doing it. I don't give a fuck. Like if they never use me again, if they yell at me, I don't give a fuck. I'm going out in, in a blaze of glory. And there's a shot where the camera guy's on his knees up the ramp, and we're coming down, and it's just my fat fucking face that the camera shows. And wheels down, we park the fucking thing. We have to knock on the thing to let them know that we were done. And then we walk back single file up the ramp, and then that was that. That's my, that's my druid story, Joel. Not another, another Damon story. For for everyone, so there you go. That's that's my druid. We need that WWE stinger. <laughs> we need that <Yeah>. stinger. <laughs> I got a million stories. I got a million stories. But that's yeah. I was on Raw, uh, and then I was on Raw another time. But it's just in the background. We were at a bar, and um, it was Twiggy and Inferno and Donnie B. Uh, we were hitting on China. They were they were hitting on China at a bar for, with Mark Henry. Uh, so Mark Henry is on a date with China. And boom, 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 boom. They, and, Ch- and Mark Henry's like, oh, well, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You stay here. So in comes the guys, and they're hitting on her like, hey, baby, blah, 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 blah. And she's like, ah, fuck you. I don't want to talk to you. And what are you, what are you talking about? Blah, blah, blah. We're, we're cool guys and all. And then Mark Henry comes in, and he takes Twiggy, the guy, and throws him into the bar. So they did that take, and Vince was like, oh, it was really fucking good, guys. Uh, but our camera's a little, can you, can you do that bump again? <laughs> right? So once again, they did the whole thing. Twiggy right into the fucking bar again, smashes his head, uh, like body, like on the bottom of the bar. He's like, just dove into the fucking bar. Um, yeah, that's that's. And I'm in the background. I'm at a, I'm at a table, but I got paid both. I got paid 150 bucks for both of those things. 150 bucks. That's amazing. 
Amazing stuff. We're really bouncing all over the place with this episode. What a treat. I know we are. Sorry. Sorry. All right, here we go. It's all in. My bad. I know. That's, uh, but I had to do the, the Druid story. I didn't know if anybody, everybody knew that, but I wanted to share that with you. So put yourself in the shoes of New Japan chairman Sugabayashi, who has been quite vocal with his praise about Hangman Page. He watched Hangman go through this G1. He's picked up big wins over legends like Makabe, clean win over Suzuki in the G1. And you hear about this big show all in and you decide to turn it on. You're watching this match with Joey Janela and then you see him taking a, a penis suplex and getting carried off by penis druids. If you're Chairman Sugabayashi, what are you thinking at that point? His pants are down and he's fucking... <laughs> um, <sighs> uh, look, uh, I mean, I'm sure that he knows the comedic side of pro wrestling and the goofiness and the silliness that can ensue in a pro wrestling match. I'm sure, you know, he's not completely unaware of, of a DDT and, and again, the goofiness that pro wrestling can be. Um, look again, I, uh, to me, this was totally inoffensive. This was, it was funny. I actually laughed, man. When it, when they came out in those fucking giant penis suits, uh, I laughed, man. It did. It did what it needed to do. Uh, truth be told, I, I I can't I can't sit here and, and wag my finger and be like, this is a disgrace to pro wrestling, and this is this was what it was, and they I think they executed it flawlessly. They really did. They executed it flawlessly. Um, this is what this match's purpose was, and I think they hit the nail on the head. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, next match, then, we had Jay Lethal, Jay Lethal with Lanny Poffo defeating Flip Gordon with Brandy Rhodes in a singles match for the ROH World Championship. That went 40 minutes. I'm not the biggest fan of Jay Lethal. I think he's fine, but I've just never been that excited by him. And I don't, I'm not really into this, uh, the, the Randy Savage, um, what's the tribute? What's the name of it? Yeah, what's, what's the name the, of the, the character tribute? he does? The, yeah. Oh, 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 the madness. Yeah, the mad. Yeah, was it madness? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I, his alter ego. Yeah, yes. I, I think Black Machismo. I don't know. Yes, that's well, it. Black Machismo. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. So he, he's doing that gimmick at the start of the match. So not a big fan of that. Not a big fan of Flip Gordon. So this match was just a big old bowl of okay. Jay Lethal is that guy that you talked about. He's he's solid. He's he's pretty good, and 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 a lot of he he's like the the North American equivalent to like a Yoshihashi for me, in the sense of every time I see him put in a big spot, I'm kind of like uh Jay Lethal, but then he has the match, and it's like ah it's a fucking good match, um, it, it, like the character wise, I I just feel like I see so much of him that I'm just like, and it's the same shit that I've seen for years that it's just like all right. But again, at the end of the day, after the match is done, I'm like, oh, that was a fucking solid match. Um, the Randy Savage tribute was was funny. And, and again, he did that before in TNA, if I'm not mistaken, right? Uh, and Lanny Poffo coming out with him was was interesting touch to that. And him playing off Brandy Rhodes with the Elizabeth stuff. Again, all little tips of the cap to Randy Savage, which is fine. Um, you know, the more that we talk about this, it's like... it. That's the stuff that got over on this show, you know, minus maybe two or th- maybe the last three matches. 
right? The last three matches were, were I, I felt, really, really good. I liked a lot of it. Um, but everything leading to it's everything that's surrounding these matches. The matches themselves were okay. Like, if you're going into this looking for a solid pro wrestling show, like, like a pro wrestling gorilla show, you might be disappointed. But it's the, everything around that kind of, I don't want to say distracts you or takes your attention off that the fact the match isn't that great. Um, it's all those things around it that really make the match, um, which I don't, I think that's a good thing, right? I think that's a positive thing, because because at the end of all these matches, I I was, you know um I felt like I I saw something I enjoyed. I felt I got pleasure from it. Um, but trying to look at it with a critical eye, the matches themselves, again, this was this was okay. It was good. I think, but I think it was all the other peripheral stuff that happens around it. That oh, I got a big smile out of him doing the Randy Savage. Oh, he's pretending he's moving Elizabeth to the corner like he used to do. Okay, all those little nods and those little tips of the caps, and you know those little distractions. They 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 seem to work. It's kind of like watching a fucking magician, you know, a lot of hocus pocus. But at the end of the day, the the, the meat and potatoes of the match is okay. It's everything around it that's distracting me. That's making it's kind of like a, like a fucking like an Avengers movie. You know what I mean? It's like all these explosions and these fucking the the, the CGI and the and the craziness that I'm watching. I'm watching fucking wow. But the actual movie really kind of fucking blows, <laughs> right? It's it's more of all the fucking visual that's going around around me and and all the the sensory overload. And again, hitting my nostalgia button and hitting my pro wrestling love button. But the matches weren't, weren't fucking special. This this was okay. Going back to the early 2010s when Cody Rhodes was still in WWE and he was doing the handsome Cody Rhodes gimmick, his theme tune was called Smoke and Mirrors, which I think is appropriate given that in this show that he's produced, there was a hell of a lot of Smoke and Mirrors, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah, there really was. But But some people might argue that fact and say, that's not Smoke and Mirrors, that's what pro wrestling is, and that's what I enjoy, and that's blah, blah, blah. Um, Again, if you went into this thinking that you were going, especially in these these undercard matches, we'll call them, uh, that you were going to get, you know, four and five stars, that that was not going to be the case. There was a, there was a lot of distraction and a lot of uh, uh, craziness. But again, I'm I'm not even knocking the craziness because I think that it all it all worked. It all it all hit it it all hit the mark for what it was there to do. Now, lest I resurrects my old segment Joel brings up the political leanings of wrestlers and calls them dickheads when he disagrees Flip Gordon doing his Hulk Hogan impression am I the only person that was a bit uh when that happened yeah uh yeah I mean look he's the Hulkster the Hulkster's back in it in, in the Hall of Fame man so uh whether you whether you agree with it or not uh, and whether you uh, feel that his his apology was sincere as the camera rolled, uh, you know, I think there's that that's certainly open for debate. Um, you know, I I wasn't I, I I wasn't offended by it, but again, I don't think I, I'm the person that should be offended by something like that. Um, you know, that's. I, I, I wasn't I, offended by it. I just saw it and was just like, oh dear. 
Yeah, well, right. It could have gone off the fucking rails very quickly. I think Ab- Ab- that absolutely, yeah. Um, but no, it didn't. It didn't. Didn't stick me too hard. All right. Well, let's move on then. Uh, next match was Kenny Omega defeating Penta L Zero in a singles match that went 17 minutes 47 seconds. Uh, I thought this was probably the best match on the show. Do you, are you in agreement? It's up there. Uh, I definitely like the next match uh, as well a lot. Um, I like this a lot. To me, this felt to me though. Even though I um, I thought this was, I don't do. Do you think? And I don't, and this is not meant as a as a disrespectful comment by any stretch of the imagination. Do you think this was a gear below Kenny Omega? Like this, it it didn't feel like this was, uh, you know, full throttle Kenny. It felt like a little bit behind the mark on on when it comes to some of his New Japan matches. Um, with that being said, there were, there were a few spots where I was like, whoa. And I think the one where, where I was most, what the fuck, was that, that was that package pile driver on the apron. That looked like he compressed his spine with that uh, Penta. Just crushed Kenny Omega with it. And that popped me out of my seat. Um, I don't think this is high four match. I I went f- like four, not even four and a half on this. Um, and I think my expectations going in were a little bit higher. Um, so in that sense, it was a smidge disappointing. Smidge. Because again, I, I just didn't feel like this was full throttle Kenny. And I was kind of hoping we would see full throttle Kenny. Um, but with that being said, I thought this was one of the best matches of the night, if not the best match of the night. Um, even though my expectations going in were very high. I went four flat. I would have gone a bit higher, but the arm break spot took me out of it a bit because this is something that Pentagon has used in the past and has put his opponents on the shelf indefinitely. So having Kenny just pretty much brush that off and carry on as if nothing happened, and I realised that the whole gimmick of that was, oh, he's used the different arm to hoist them up for the one-wing danger. But if this guy is supposed to have a broken arm, there's no way he's getting up a, a man of Pentagon size in that position in the first place. So the fact they did that, I was just like, ah, oh, again with the inconsistent selling, which I realise is a particular bugbear of mine, and I appreciate I could be on an island, but that was something that I, you know, I would have gone for and a quarter, but I chopped off a quarter of a star because of that inconsistent selling of the arm. But aside from that, this is about what I expected. I wasn't expecting any match of the year caliber things and you know, Kenny's got other stuff to look forward to he's got his big match with Tomohiro Ishii coming up in the destruction tour and Pentagon is the kind of guy who does those sort of brawling matches with the big high impact moves not the really high paced athletic matches that we saw Kenny Omega take part in in the G1 so it was about what I expected um, huh. And of I've course, actually, we got the big. Go on. No, I was just going to say I, I, I'm, a, I'm, a, whereas I was a little bit lower on some matches than you, I'm a little bit higher on this uh, than, than, than it sounds like you are. You were, or at least, let me take that back. I, I was higher going in. Uh, my expectations were a little bit higher. Um, I, 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 I don't know. There's, there's just something about both those guys' style that I thought that I. 
I really thought that there was plenty more left in the tank for both of those guys. Um, and yes, Kenny does seem like he has bigger fish to fry when it comes to these destruction tour, but um, I don't know. I just felt like it was, it was, a, and I, I didn't expect that. I thought he would be all out for a show like this. Um, and again, I'm not saying that he was or he wasn't. It just felt like that to me. Uh, the second thing I did notice, you noticed that when he came out, no IWGP heavyweight championship belt? Yeah, we did have a question about this, actually. Um, let me try and find it. Uh, Tyler asked, why didn't the champions, other than those defending, wear their title belts? Was that a Bucks and Cody call or possibly the other promoters? It seems odd and a wasted opportunity. I felt like it, right? I was like, why? I mean, why? I don't know. Maybe he forgot it. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Um, but it that that was odd to me, that the fact that we did not see that championship title there um, around his waist as he came to the ring. Now, I know it wasn't a title match, um, but still, I mean, you're the, you're you're the champion. I, I would have I, I would have expected to see that title. So that was a little a little thorn in my side from from the from the beginning. Yeah. Okay, uh, we've got some more questions about this, particularly the post match angle, which I thought was very well executed. I I think the surprise Jericho post match beatdowns are getting a bit played out at this point, but it was very well done with his whole Pentagon get up. So he's really went to the efforts there so I've got all applauded for that I've got zero interest in what's happening on that cruise but uh, again we've got another question from Tyler who says what's next with Jericho Omega are we possibly looking at a champion versus champion match as the main event for King of Pro Wrestling beyond the cruise match I mean personally I just see the cruise match and then that's the end of it but do you think we're getting anything in New Japan beyond the cruise do you I mean first let's let's talk about Jericho first well let's do cruise first are they really going to do you really honestly think they're going to be doing Jericho Omega on the fucking cruise? Well, going back through being the elite, I think wasn't the talk that they were going to do uh Jericho and the Bucks as the what were they called the Alpha Elite or something like that against the team of can't remember what it was like Kenny Cody and Marty or something like that. So I don't know if they've moved away from that or if this is just a build up hype for it. Yeah. But, uh, I'm not that bothered either way. I can't I can't imagine them doing a singles match on the cruise. I would be shocked as hell if they if they I, I see some type of tag situation on that. Um I gotta give I gotta tip my cap to fucking Chris Jericho, that's for sure. For him to I mean he had a concert that night? That night, he had a concert. A right, and that's concert. why I think they... I mean, this match was supposed to be the semi-main event, wasn't it? And I was wondering why it was third from the top. And I guess it was for that very reason. That's pretty amazing to me. I mean, truth be told, I mean, people can love Jericho, they can hate Jericho, but you got to give him credit that he would be even be remotely even kind of sort of willing to do something like that. I mean, uh, uh, Chicago to, I guess it was Kansas City was where the concert was. So what is that, like an hour flight maybe? Um, still, he's got to get from the arena, get to O'Hare, get on a plane and, and go. And from what I understand, he was in full Penta makeup as he hit the stage. That's pretty amazing. Yeah, it certainly beats the Bushi outfit that he was rocking when he attacked Naito <laughs> whenever it was last time. Right. Imagine you being a Fozzie fan, right? Maybe for whatever reason. I don't know how the fuck this happens, but maybe you're just there to hear the music, right? And he sh- comes up on stage and, you know, he's tr- he's got his full fucking 
Penta makeup on. And you're like, wow, he's really fucking weird tonight. Uh, not understanding that literally hours ago he was uh, in the ring with uh, with the beating down Kenny Omega. Uh, that's pretty. That's honest. That's 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 very cool on him to be able to to be willing and able to do that because again he's got it. You know, one one flight delay, one one thunderstorm. Uh, and I don't know if he's flying private or he's, you know what he's how he's flying, but I'm assuming he's flying private. Um, you know, one one hiccup in that, and you know that concert's being delayed, and you know the band's sitting there twiddling their thumbs and doing cocaine to pass the time, <laughs> uh, you know, like rock stars do. Uh, you know, it's I, I just I I find that admirable that he would be willing to do that and stick his neck out for the product. So good good job by Chris Jericho on that one. Uh, we got a question from another Chris who says, would you like to see Pentagon and Phoenix in NJPW? I thought Kenny and Pentagon had a great match at All In. I'd really like to see more from them as their styles and personalities create such unique chemistry. I also wouldn't mind seeing Golden Lovers versus Pentagon and Phoenix. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of talk of one, if not both of those uh, gentlemen you know, uh, going elsewhere. So what I'd like to see, um, yeah. I mean, I mean, just on the surface of yes, they, I think that they they I, I enjoy them. Um, do I want to see them take a spot? Do I want to see them? Where would they be? I, that I can't answer. Um, but I like them, so I wouldn't have any problem with them seeing more of them on shows. I don't think I don't think you're going to see a, a Penta uh, and Omega match at fucking King of Pro Wrestling or anything like that. But um, I, you know, I, I like them both so. Okay, uh, next match then, we've got Kazuchika Okada defeating Marty Skull in a match that went 26 minutes. Now, I guess the biggest talking point here is the length. And according to PWInsider.com, uh, a lot of fans are wondering why Marty Skull didn't join the celebration to close out the all-in event. The belief is, according to PW Insider, is that he took the brunt of the heat for his match with Okada going long and decided not to come out. Do you think there's any truth to that? Um, I don't, mm, I don't know. I mean, I doubt it, to be honest with you. I'm sure that, look, running a show is tough. And especially when you have a certain time frame. Like, we've all been to independent shows where that have lasted four and a half hours because fucking guys in the second match decided they were going to go 20 minutes, right? Um. Uh, Mate, we can't even get this fucking podcast right with the timing. No, right. Imagine doing a wrestling show. It must be a nightmare. Right. I mean, and the communication in the ring that has to occur to go to a finish and blah, blah, blah. Tiger Hattori's, uh, you know, pretty notorious for not <laughs> for fucking up things at this point in his career, even though he's a legend and uh, all due respect. But still, we all know the the, the laughable refereeing and, and, and pr- uh, traffic control that he does. Um, I don't know if there's any heat with with uh, Marty Skrull. I can't. I, I, but I'm sure that he got a, a, a tongue lashing when the, when he got in the back of what the fuck you went t- ten minutes longer. Ten minutes is a long fucking time to go over. That's I mean you know what I mean like ten minutes over. That's a that's a that's a long fucking time. Two minutes okay. Three minutes. Ugh. Five minutes is where you get into even gray area. 
10 minutes over? That's, 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 an, like, where's the communication there? Somebody's got to come to the ringside and, and, and whisper something in somebody's ear to be like, go to the fucking finish. We got to take this shit home. I don't know who's at fault. I, I don't, but to me, it's the two people that are in the ring. If you go 10 minutes, if that, if that is true, if that is an accurate statement, Joe, you went 10 minutes over. 